1: Hello, this episode is sponsored by Luke's English Podcast Premium. Uh, With Luke's English Podcast, I have two podcasts, in fact. There's the free episodes, which feature monologues, conversations with guests, or specific topics. Uh, That's where you get to listen to natural English on a regular basis, presented to you, for you. Then the premium episodes are all about language often I take samples from free episodes then I break them down for target language which I teach to you help you remember and pronounce correctly so the double whammy is to listen to Luke's English podcast and also to be a premium subscriber to get the maximum benefit from my work to get started with Luke's English podcast premium go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info for more info You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Jill's Book Club on Luke's English Podcast. This is the second Jill's Book Club episode and this is where I talk to my mum, Jill Thompson, about books that she's enjoyed. My mum loves books. She's a voracious reader, a member of a book club with her friends, and she works in a second-hand bookshop. She gets through loads of books. So this is naturally a topic that we can explore together on the podcast. So how does this work? How does Jill's book club work? Well, basically, we pick a book a few months in advance, give people a chance to read it. And if you remember, I don't know how many months ago now, probably something like February, maybe March... Uh, I told everyone which book would be next. So we pick a a book a few months in advance, give people a chance to read it, then talk about it on the podcast, including some of the main plot points. And there are no spoilers, don't worry. uh, Characters, context and details. And you're thinking to yourself, wait, Luke, do I need to read the book? do you have to read the book too? Well, no, you don't. Don't worry, you don't have to read the book, if that's what you were wondering. You were thinking, what your finger was hovering over the stop button. You're thinking, I haven't listened to the book, no! Uh, But it's okay, it's all right. Uh, You don't really need to to read the book. You can, but you don't really need to. Um, We will explain the main plot points without giving away any spoilers But we should explain things fairly clearly so it's still possible to understand and enjoy the episode, even if you haven't uh, read the book. But you can read the book if you like, of course, or you could get the audiobook version. So you could read the book first, then listen to this, or you could listen to this first, then read the book, or just listen to this without reading the book at all, or just read the book without listening to this which, um, well, I hope you listen to this anyway. So any combination, you could, you know, listen, then read, read, then listen, or just listen. Um, And just enjoy hearing my mum talking about this book, the characters, the story, and so on. Uh, There might also be some nice vocabulary coming up, which you can notice as we go along. As usual, check the episode page on my website to see some vocabulary notes and transcripts. Uh, For other episodes I've done in the past with advice on reading books to improve your English, check the episode archive. You might be, you know, wondering about that. Uh, What do I have to say about uh, reading books and learning English? There's a couple of episodes in the archive. Uh, Have a look in there. Um, I said earlier this year then that uh, the book we'd be talking about in the next episode of Jill's Book Club is called A Gentleman in Moscow. By Amor Tolles, and so that's the main topic of conversation here. This little summary from Wikipedia goes like this A Gentleman in Moscow is a 2016 novel by Amor Tolles. Uh, it's his second novel following the release of the New York Times best selling novel Rules of Civility. The novel concerns Count Alexander Ilyich Rostov a man ordered by a Bolshevik tribunal to spend the rest of his life in a luxury hotel in the heart of Moscow. Okay, so that's a little summary of the book we'll be talking about. Uh, There's a little bit of small talk at the beginning, but then we get stuck into the book properly. I'll talk to you again on the other side of this conversation, but now let's listen to my mum talking about her latest book recommendation. This is Jill's Book Club on Luke's English Podcast. Hello, Mum. How are you?
0: Hello, Luke. I'm fine. How are you?
1: I'm fine, thank you. Good. Uh, so here we are. This is Jill's Book Club, number two. Yeah. The first one was ages ago now.
0: I can't remember when it was. It's before
1: lockdown, I think. I think it was before the lockdown. Um, and so anyway, here we are. We're back again. We're going to mm. talk about uh, a book that you like. Uh, yeah. how, how's the lockdown been for you anyway?
0: it's been fine. Lockdown has been fine because we were just in our house, in our garden. And we're both very happy being in our house and in our garden. And we didn't miss going out much. And it was absolutely fine, really. The worst thing, of course, is not being able to see friends and family. But, um you know, you and I and the rest of the family had Zoom meetings most weeks mm-hmm. and uh, almost every day, really, at one point. Um So that was good. Uh, but really, lockdown itself wasn't too bad. It's now I find it more difficult. Now things are beginning to open up a bit.
1: Mm. It's very
0: complicated. It is. And one doesn't feel entirely safe and um one doesn't know what to believe. That's a big problem. Yes. Uh you know, all that sort of thing.
1: Did you read more during the lockdown?
0: Well, it was interesting because that was my first thought because I've got a huge TBR pile. That's a to be read. Because working in a bookshop, I'm always finding books that I think, oh, yes, I meant to ra- read that or, oh, that looks interesting. So I'm always buying books and never have time to read them. Or at least I can only read one, you know, when I've got six to read, I can only read one. Um So I thought, oh, good, I'm, I'll, I am won't have anything else to do. I can get stuck into that TBR pile. But I found I couldn't read it was most bizarre. My my brain was sort of flitting around all over the place and feeling slightly anxious, I suppose. And um I couldn't concentrate at all. It was really bizarre. Didn't like it at all. But I managed to break it by um reading short stories instead of embarking on a novel or a biography or whatever. I read a book of short stories and that helped get me back into it. And and after that I was able to read.
1: Okay, thank goodness for that.
0: Mm. <laughs> Do
1: you not? I mean, I you know that I'm a very bad reader.
0: Well, you don't have the time, do you?
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That's the that's the thing. If I I would love to be able to just sit in a chair all mm. day and just read is it mm, would just be wonderful. absolute bliss yeah but, but um i mean there are moments in the day when i could be reading and i do other things like in the evening mm. i could read and stuff but um but i don't so uh, and i'm just thinking you know what is it that that prevents me from doing it when i i find that i sit there i read i find it so relaxing that inevitably yeah i put the book <laughs> down on my chest and i close my eyes because it's so nice and then i fall asleep or something <laughs> I guess I'm like my dad in that way. Yeah, Um, you are. But also there's this sense that when I'm, first of all, when I'm choosing books, I can never choose. It's impossible Mm. to choose. And then uh, I feel quite intimidated at the beginning. Do you ever get that feeling of like, you're a bit overwhelmed by the challenge of having to read all this book and it's like you've got to struggle to to get to know the characters and uh, does it not take you a while to get into books sometimes? Do you ever feel a bit like, oh, I can't do this?
0: Hmm. Um, I, I, I'm never really terribly intimidated. It sometimes takes me longer to get into some books than others, but everybody has that, um, experience. Um, but no, I'm, I don't think I'm intimidated particularly. Um, a book you should read is, um, The Year of Reading Dangerously by Andy Miller. Um, you know, he's one of the backlisted presenters.
1: The year of the
0: podcast that I listen to.
1: I do. The year of reading dangerously. The year of reading
0: dangerously because, because he was in publishing and reading books was his job. He found, he found difficulty reading for pleasure. I think I'm right in, I think I'm remembering that correctly. Anyway, he set out on a, on a sort of, um, course of action to, he decided he and he was busy of course and didn't have time and talks about how lots of people are busy and they haven't got time to read but he said you just have to decide that you're going to read say 50 lines a day Mm. and just be strict with yourself and read a certain amount every day just sit down and do it and just have that sort of program I mean I've forgotten the details now because it's a while (laughs) since I read it but um, you just have to have a program to get yourself back into it. It's a, it's a habit, really, more than anything. Yes. I mean, time has something to do with it, but um, it's it, you just have to, yeah, just get back into it and be, make it become a habit. And that that's the way to do it. Just to pick a book and read fifty lines every day, or a chapter mm. every day, or you know, give yourself a limit. And then at and certain gradually, certain, yeah, you find that you get back into it.
1: I find there's always a certain point at which a book hooks me. yeah. Uh, And then once the book has hooked me, it's just totally easy. You know, I can't put the book down. Yeah, that's Uh, right. There's always a period where I'm just sort of don't know where I am. Yeah. And then after a while, if the book is going to hook me, you know, it's got to hook me in the first sort of, I don't know, 10 pages or something like that. Sometimes I'm just like, "Uh," and sometimes I'm reading and I've just go a few pages and I think, wait a minute, I've got no idea what I've been reading. I've just been reading through it without concentrating.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyway, let's get on to the book that we're going to talk about today. I think this was first announced on the podcast months ago. Mm. Uh, So um, you just mentioned The Year of Reading Dangerously by Andy Mm. Miller. I just wanted Mm. to say that again. But um, that's not the book we're talking about. We are going to talk about which book then?
0: It's A Gentleman in Moscow by Oh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. Amor Tolles. That's Toles? right. Tolles. Amor Tolles. Amor Tolles. He's an American.
1: Right. an American.
0: An American. An <laughs> American.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Um,
0: but it's a good book, nevertheless. <laughs> Even though... Even American. though he's American.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> so, A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor yeah. Tolles. Now, Amor mm. to- I think he's quite an impressive character, this Amor Tolles.
0: I think he must be, because the book is so clever isn't it mm. i mean he's
1: just invented these people mm-hmm. and the one of the thing that one of the things that surprises me too is that it's all set in russia and i don't know how mm. familiar he is with russia i know russia. i
0: have no idea
1: Um, Uh, That's
0: one of the problems for me in a way that it's set in Russia because I'm not really very well up on Russian history because it's, you know, modern Russian modern history is so complicated with so many revolutions and uprisings and so on that I found it a bit difficult in places to know exactly what was happening.
1: It is interesting, isn't it? We were talking about this earlier. The idea that we are so familiar with, let's say, modern American history, modern Mm. Western history. And then when you look East and you look to Russia in the last hundred years or Mm. so, and you kind of think, wow, there are just so many stories there that we don't know about that aren't part Mm. of our, you know, part of our narrative. (laughs) Um, So, yes, but also that sense that uh, not quite sure about all the history, but Mm. when is this book set then?
0: Well, it starts out at the beginning in the early 1920s. I think it's 1922. Right. Um, And it starts out, the first few pages are, um, are almost like notes of an interview. It says it's the appearance of Count Alexander Ilyich Rostov before the emergency committee of the People's Commissariat for Internal Affairs. And he's being interviewed by them. Because he's obviously done something, well, because he's, a, he's an aristocrat, of course, which automatically puts him in the wrong.
1: Right. So, so what's the context here? So, Count Alexander Rostov,
0: Rostov, is, being, Rostov.
1: is being interviewed by uh, this kind of committee, yeah. and a committee for internal affairs of some sort. Yes, so, wh- right. who is this committee then? This is where the Russian history comes into it.
0: I know. Isn't it? I, I'm afraid I don't know the details and I couldn't possibly uh, hope to explain exactly who they were. I, I mean, we all know that there was a lot of social unrest and lots of upheaval um, in Russia at the beginning of the 20th century and the end of the 19th century, but yeah. I don't know the details. So, all I, I know is that if you were a, an aristocrat, your life was in danger. A lot of aristocrats, I think, were. Exiled to Siberia. A lot of them were killed. Yeah. They had a bad time, basically. We're talking
1: about the Bolshevik revolution. Obviously, Russian listeners will know uh, about yeah. this in great detail. I, I
0: must apologise to your Russian listeners for being so ignorant.
1: But um, essentially, during the Bolshevik sort of revolutions, which took place over a, a period of time, yeah. uh, the Russian nobility uh, yeah. was essentially removed. and yes, I think so. It was dissolved in favour mm. of a communist government structure. Yeah and so because of that all members of the aristocracy were sort of dealt with
0: were in danger in one way or another yeah uh, many
1: of them would have been executed mm, uh, i think so but uh, so here is
0: count but this count is being obviously being interviewed in inverted commas um, because they're obviously deciding what to do with him um they decide not to send he doesn't get sent to siberia he isn't killed Instead, he is put on under house arrest in the hotel in which he already lives. He lives in a hotel in Moscow in a beautiful palatial suite, but he is, um, put under house arrest there. But instead of continuing in his beautiful palatial suite, suite surrounded by all his old furniture and all his, you know, everything from his childhood and his family and everything, Mm. he's put into a servant's room at the top of the hotel.
1: A tiny little room in the sort of in the roof of the hotel, basically. So stripped of all of his uh, luxurious um, surroundings and just in a very simple uh, room. So, okay, so, um, so what's going on here? So, yes, instead of being executed, he's put under house arrest. So, what is house arrest?
0: Well, it's where you're usually put in your own house (laughs) uh, and, and you know guarded and you're not allowed to leave you just have to stay it's a bit like lockdown which is why it was so appropriate really for us to be reading it at this time because it was you know lockdown was similar we were supposed to stay in our houses and we weren't allowed to go out although not entirely the same because we were encouraged to go out and have a walk have exercise every day and we could go out to the shops although many people didn't. Whereas the Count, of course, can't do anything. He has to stay in his little room or he has to stay in the hotel. He can move freely around the hotel, but he can't leave the
1: and hotel. If, if he does leave, he might be shot as well.
0: Yes, presumably, or send, taken off to Siberia or whatever. Right. Anyway, the reason why they don't send him to Siberia or shoot him or anything worse than that um, is because he wrote apparently wrote a poem, which um, the... Uh, commissariat or whatever they're called um, Mm. approved of so they decided he wasn't all bad and he didn't have to die he just had to stay locked up in the hotel the
1: the reason they approved of the poem was because they decided that the the poem was sort of sympathetic to the revolutionary Mm. cause or to the Bolshevik cause yes And, and because of this sympathetic poem they basically let him off but yep. um, he's, still, he's still under house arrest in this, you know, crappy little room upstairs. Yes. Um, so, so, you know, let's just quickly talk about Count uh, Alexander Ilyich uh, Rostov. So yeah. as a, um, an aristocrat, a gentleman mm. in mm. Moscow, what did he do before the revolution kicked off? What was his life? What, what, how did he spend his time? What did he do? um what did the russian aristocrats used to do
0: well quite i don't a lot of them used to own farms or live on farms didn't they and I, you see again it's my ignorance i don't know but you know they lived the aristocratic life similar to the arist- aristocrats in this country i suppose they didn't do very much apart from run their estate and look after all the well run the servants or the serfs in um russian case
1: and also pursue uh, pursue a sort of an education you know it's like oh, the life yes. the life of I'm a sure. gentleman is is to a lot be of them did yeah it's, yeah it's to be educated to be yeah. sort of um cultivated as a person rather than just doing an occupation it's all about yeah. just sort of cultivating um uh, an educated and very well, well that- ma- well-mannered uh, approach
0: that was obviously the case with this gentleman, because he was very cultured, he was very educated, he had lots of books he um or he did have um he was a gentleman, he had wonderful manners um his attitude to people was very open and it, he was he was a gentleman in the true sense of the word, mm. and uh his voice the interesting thing about the book I found was the way it's a third person narrator or narrator. Um, But you hear the story very much through his perspective, through the Count's perspective. Mm. Although it's not him actually telling the story. It's, as I say, an omniscient narrator. But it's very much done through his uh, point of view. And um, it's very ironic and sort of quizzical and amused almost. Yes. uh, Point of view and voice. It's a wonderful view
1: he sort of the way the story is told um <coughs> some other characters are you know revealed to be rather stupid mm. um and sort of subtle little things like that um yeah it, it is it's very cleverly put
0: and he doesn't the story isn't told sort of uh, old this is terrible. What a terrible life. How awful for the poor man. You know, this is how people suffered in those days. And there's not that sort of um, atmosphere about it at all. It's all told in this rather quizzical, ironic voice.
1: Yeah. So rather than things being explicitly explained, and you're not being told how to feel or what to think, instead, there's this kind of sense of... um Uh, being slightly removed ironically detached and you kind of
0: absolutely both personally from him um but also the upheaval of society outside the hotel which is obviously going on Mm. you can tell that there's a lot of things going on because a lot of the party members and what have you have their meetings in the hotel and of course the personnel changes depending on what's happening outside so, although we don't get a description of what's happening outside, we know that things are changing because of the way the meetings change and the way the personnel changes um so it's all sort of hinted at but never told directly
1: yeah really we really. are
0: in the we are in the world of the hotel in the same way that he is. It's fascinating, very cleverly done
1: yeah, ah, and so what happens to him then, locked up in the hotel
0: well. One of the things that really helps him is that he meets a little girl, Nina, who yeah. is living there. Yeah. And she's obviously very quite precocious and old for her years. And she becomes a friend and she, for some reason, I can't quite remember why, she has a key yeah. Um which opens all the doors you know how there's a skeleton key that um members of ho- uh, hotel staff have yeah. so that they can get into every room that used to be the case i don't know if it's still the case with modern hotels. Uh anyway she has one of these keys and right. she shows him the whole of the hotel you know not just the bit that he was used to living in. Right. The public bit but she takes him behind the scenes into the kitchens and the 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 place where the woman does the repairs for all the you know, yeah. uh, laundry and linen and everything. Yeah. And uh, so he gets to know every inch of the hotel through this girl. And he learns ways in which he can hide or escape or not escape out, but escape within the hotel right. so that people don't know where he is, that sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. she is, um, she obviously makes his life much happier. That's, ne- um, that's Nina. Yeah. That's Nina. Okay, But at some point she goes Oh, no, wait a minute. She goes when she... No, no. sorry, I'm going a bit ahead. (laughs) Um, But he does, as time goes on, he does get depressed. Yeah. And there comes a point where he says, this is no life, I can't go on, I may as well kill myself. So he goes up to the top of the hotel to the roof and he's just about to throw himself off when he hears a voice and he turns around and it's the man who more or less lives at the top of the hotel, yeah. who ha- who looks after the beehives at the top of the hotel. Mm. And this man says, you know, come and have a look at my bees. And he shows him the bees and gives him some honey and makes him a cup of coffee. And just that simple bit of human interaction and looking at the bees and looking at the world from a different point of view brings him round and he doesn't kill himself. He decides he's going to make a go of it. Wow um and he does and and then of course lots of other people come into it the other members of the staff some of whom are interesting and nice and some of them are not
1: yeah there's goodies and baddies
0: there are um he ends up i think i think it's after that when he the time when he decided he was going to kill himself I think he decides he's got to do something to save himself from going mad. And Mm. so he decides he's going to become a member of staff in the hotel. And he becomes a waiter. A very good, gentlemanly waiter. Because of his his
1: great manners and and stuff. Perfect for that. Mm. He ends up running the the, the restaurant, actually, in the end, doesn't he? Along with two other guys, like a, a couple of chefs. Pretty
0: much, yes. They become a great team and they're... There's one scene where they cook a meal and eat it together and drink loads of alcohol. I can't remember what. <laughs> and they obviously have a wonderful time and it's a sort of sealing of their friendship. Um yes. You know, the the detail in which they go, that they go into to create this meal with much love and attention. Mm. And the book's full of little bits, little sort of scenes like that. He's got an
1: enemy in the in the hotel in the form yes. of uh, what's his name? The bishop. The
0: bishop. He calls him the bishop. I'm not quite sure why. I can't remember now. Terrible, isn't it? How I forget things. But he is the he's the chap, the manager, I think, of the hotel. He's um,
1: uh, he was actually the head waiter, right? Uh, I don't know if he then became the manager But when I, I think when we first meet him he is the, yes, He's, the, he's in charge leader. of the, the restaurant and Yes,
0: because there's a bit where um, They decide for some reason or other They're going to take all the labels off the bottles of wine Yeah, that's so right So that nobody knows what's what
1: Because it's like, you know, a, a, a sort of a bourgeois um, Yes uh, What's the word for it? Um, something Concept or something Something yeah. that's luxurious, you know Yes, um, yes uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? The word I was thinking of was indulgence, bourgeois indulgence, I-N-D-U-L-G-E-N-C-E, indulgence.
0: It's exclusive and yeah, you, ha- you uh, have to have a knowledge of wine to know what the labels mean and all that sort of right, thing. Right, exactly. So, so so they decide they're going to remove them all. I mean, wine is wine, so they're just going to remove. But here, of course, the, the count is clever because he recognises the different bottles that some wine is in. So right. So he can... He has a certain amount of knowledge, and so it doesn't make that much difference to him. You can still get the good stuff. You can still get the good stuff.
1: Okay, but and so he has run-ins with this with this guy, the bishop, who who yeah. is sort of like a weird power struggle going on there. Yeah. And also, there's there's details with Nina who goes away and um,
0: Nina when she's older, she leaves, but then she comes back some years later, and she's married to. There's some sort of counter-revolutionary person. I'm not. You see, this is where my um, ignorance of Russian history oh, right. comes in.
1: I mm? know oh, your memory or your your ignorance. Oh, in, no, my
0: in... ignorance really. That I don't know who this man is that she's married, but he's obviously a counter-revolutionary, and uh, it's a dangerous position that they're in. Right. um And so they're going to run off they're going to escape i think and run off somewhere um but they bring their daughter who's called sophia
1: sophia correct
0: sophia and they leave her with the count and they say please really, look after my daughter yeah which is quite something anyway he does and he has a similar relationship with her that he had with nina mm-hmm. um she makes his life worth living i suppose in some ways
1: yeah basically uh, without because we can't give away t- plot no, spoilers but basically as mark kermode would say stuff happens right <laughs> lots uh, of stuff happens. lots of stuff happens in terms of relationships between people in the hotel oh, yeah the yeah. status of the count yeah. uh, his personal journey there is his, yes, uh, his personal yes. uh, growth and stuff like that um um and I mean I've got lot, I've got other questions for you here so we've got okay. I, th- we, I think we've got a sense of what this book is about mm. and who the central character is and mm. it's basically taking this person who is this aristocrat with incredibly good manners and a and a real sense of charm and mm. an ironic sense of humour and putting yeah. him in this difficult situation where he's stuck in the hotel and um he goes on a personal journey he does and, and um kind of learns about himself. There's a romantic element. There's a love interest in the form of a yeah. film star glamorous russian film star yeah. and and um and yeah it's it's a it's a pleasure to to read um what did you what did you learn from reading this book did you learn anything <laughs>
0: um well i don't know about learning but there were one or two, several things that i found really interesting mm-hmm um one of them is that the, one of the um I think it's uh Misha Misha his friend who Mishka. is a poet Mishka Mishka comes to visit him in the hotel and they are talking about national characters and national characteristics mm. and talking about the russian character i suppose and the way they're always um destroying themselves and starting again Right. You know, having revolutions and counter-revolutions and all the rest of it. Again, I apologise to Russian visitors, visitors, listeners, because I don't know the details, but they have a they have had a turbulent history mm. in modern times. And uh, during this um, conversation, they refer to they refer to a painting called uh, by someone called Ilya Repin. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. R e p i n. It 's called Ivan the Terrible and his Son, and apparently it's very, very famous in russia oh. and it 's a sort of metaphor for the Russian character because it shows Ivan the Terrible when he's dreadfully mentally deranged, obviously having just killed his son because he's cradling his son in his arms and his son has got a you know bloody head and there's a sword nearby. Mm. Um, and as I say, it's apparently very famous in Russia, and it's also quite controversial. It's been attacked a couple of times, you know, in the art gallery. Yeah. Um, but they sort of say this is a metaphor, you know, for the time of troubles right. that the Russians had. Um, in my notes, I say I see that I've put it was a time of troubles in sixteenth, seventeenth centuries. So. There's been a lot of upheaval in Russia for many years. It would seem
1: when the Ivan the Terrible uh, painting is set. Yeah. Right. That's right. Uh, but so the characters, yeah. the characters in the book, uh, the Count and his mate, um, uh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his mate? Mishka. Uh, yeah. They're chatting about this painting and how it's. They're a...
0: talking about the state of their country, I mm. think, and mm. and and the the sort of um, character of their country, and this is a sort of metaphor that they bring in. <coughs> and we would. And they we... also. Mm. Go on. And apparently, at the time that this painting is depicting, it was a terrible famine. A third of the population died, and they're just saying it's a it's a sort of image of the self destructive nature of the yeah. citizens or the the Russian character. And they then go on to talk about other national characters, and they talk about America. Yeah. And how America in the thirties, for example, during the depression, the people who were suffering in that, you know, were suffering dreadfully. Mm. But instead of rising up and rebelling, as they would in Russia, they went to the cinema. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they sort of say Hollywood is a great um, anti-revolutionary force in America. Yeah. Because they would go to the cinema and they would see – Films that would make them feel good, or films that would make them think that things weren't too bad after all. The films
1: that were um, that, that were all about the American dream, in many cases. Well,
0: I suppose so. In the nineteen thirties, I'm yeah. not sure.
1: Yes, they were pumping um, out that stuff from day one. I reckon.
0: Yeah, and they were sort of saying that it was perfect propaganda. Yeah. Um, and it's it you know similar to the um Roman idea of bread and circuses. Mm. You know about that? How when the when the Russian. When the Romans were in charge of countries and um, societies um, to keep the ordinary people in their place and stop them being too dissatisfied and rising up against them, they would provide them with plenty of bread so they weren't hungry and they would give them circuses to entertain them and that would distract them from the dreadfulness of their lives.
1: Bread and circuses. Bread and
0: circuses.
1: Okay, so you're saying like in America, bread and circuses is quite an effective um, strategy.
0: Yeah, Hollywood took the place of bread and circuses in America. Right, right.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Mm. So they're saying these things about uh, Russian society and about American society. Um, Do they they mention any others? They don't mention us, Um, I suppose.
0: I don't know whether they do, but I've made a note here. Let me just have a look in my book. That It says that... um, the USA and the USSR don't look back or live in the past, mm. um, whereas we do, of course. Right. We're always so, oh God, yeah. harping on about nos- the nostalgia of our great years when we were great. And
1: and World War II. Oh, people uh, love oh, getting how nostalgic. How we
0: were during World War II and all the rest of it. Ha-ha. Mm. Um, let me see what I've put here. Uh Sorry. Um, Anyway, um, what I've written in my notes is that, uh, you know, you can be more successful if you're not always harking back to the good old days. Uh, which I would mm. tend to agree with. You know, I think we do hark back too much, and we think we're wonderful because we once had an empire, and and because we won the war single handed. I, I, I love the idea we that
1: we won the war as if as I know. If, I mean, it's a
0: nobody thing. else had anything to do with it. It yeah. was all us. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I thought that was quite an interesting thing to think about. You know, it made me think about that yeah. sort of thing.
1: Yeah. definitely.
0: Um
1: Okay. So that was my question which is, what did you learn from this book and it was something oh, about right. something yeah. about the russian and american characters Oh
0: well, just generally about mm. um national character I suppose if there is such a thing Yeah I think there is I mean it's you mm. know it's always tricky because you get st- and you end up getting caught
1: up in stereotypes and clichés and stuff yeah. but I think there must be something because the nation state part of what holds a nation state together is its yeah. sense of identity and this is expressed in, you know, things like language and mm. accent as well. Um, mm. You know, communities accommodate to each other. They speak the same way, as if to say, "This is who I am. This is who we are. I'm part. Yeah. I'm one of you." Um, and so, as a result, nation states tend to, yeah, they tend to sort of all accommodate to each other in certain ways. So you do find, I suppose, that the English people, English people, are a bit more like this than French people are. Or Russian people are a bit more like that than mm. American people are. You know, it's just, mm. just just normal. It's an parts.
0: interesting subject. You just have to be a bit careful with it. Yeah. But um, it certainly made. I, I thought that was an interesting way of looking at things, the way some countries constantly re- rebel and have revolution. Well, France a bit like France, France is a yeah. bit of a yeah. rebellious country, whereas we have. I don't think. Well, we had the glorious rebellion when we. Um, um invited in was it the dutch royal family yeah. to take over william, I, I better william, not go any further i'll just show my ignorance. william of but orange we haven't had a, we haven't really had um a revolution in the way the french and the russians thought. we
1: had one for about five minutes there was the yeah. um there was you know the english um commonwealth of uh with good old what's yes, uh, what right. what his name
0: um uh, oliver oliver cromwell, cromwell. Yes, who, and we you know, chopped off our. We did chop off a king's head. That's very King true. Charles
1: the first head was yeah. chopped off, and for about yeah. forty years we had. The, English, the great, uh, yes. English Commonwealth, which was basically yeah. like a republic. That's right, um, we did. And Oliver Cromwell going around being very uh, uh, puritanical and all that yes, stuff. Yes, yes. And then after about 40, 50 years, everyone decided, oh, now well, we've we, had enough yeah. of this. Can we just go back to the monarchy, yeah. please? Yeah, and we Char- prefer
0: the kings after all. We'll have the kings back. Charles II
1: yes. then came in. Charles mm. II, they basically just... It, Charles's son, who is basically just exactly the same as Charles as far as I could tell. Um, so okay, what, what did you what did you enjoy about this book then? Why is it a pleasant experience to read?
0: Um, well, I suppose I enjoyed it because of his character, because of the count's character, the way it's portrayed is very clever and the way you see everything through his eyes, and the way he is such a clever, cultured, um, gentlemanly gentleman. Uh, and he's pleasant to everybody uh, and he's very, you know, he has a very equable character and uh, it's someone you he's someone you'd like to emulate, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's nice reading about him because you admire him and want him to do well.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh, Here's a question which I wrote, which I, I thought was like a GCSE English, mm-hmm. English literature question. Um, exam question Mm. uh so here we go can you comment on these things briefly with reference to the characters and events in the book so Mm. the first one is the word manners uh go on
0: yeah well of course he has the most exquisite manners that's why he's so likable you know he um treats everybody so well and he's so gentlemanly and so man he is has exquisite manners and is a you know, just a very a pleasant person to read about. What, what are manners? Oh, my God. Um, they are conventions, I suppose, which are used to, I mean, they make uh, social interaction more pleasant. I mean, if we didn't have manners towards each other, you know, life would be pretty grim. Everybody would be just doing their own thing and not thinking about what they said or did, how it affected mm. other people.
1: Manners are where, how we express our respect for the people that we're dealing with. I suppose. Well, I
0: think so. Yes. At the very, I mean, it can be it can be misused, but um, no, it's just, a good thing. Just give
1: us, just give us an example of like bad manners in a dinner party situation. You've just arrived at the dinner party. What would be good and bad manners as you enter the person's house? You arrive, ding dong, and <laughs> Oh, hello! And bad manners at this point would be something. At this like, point,
0: what? you'd say, if you were arriving, you'd say, "Oh, god." It's such a hassle getting here.
1: I hate coming here. I
0: hate coming here.
1: (laughs) It's really difficult to find this place. It's really difficult to park. I hate coming here
0: would be Um, bad manners.
1: And what's good manners? uh,
0: Good manners would be, oh, how lovely. Oh, isn't the house looking nice? Have you done something? Have you redecorated? Oh, I like that bowl. I like that. Those flowers are pretty. Um, You know, that sort of thing. Yes. It's lovely to see you. Oh, you are looking well. I like that top.
1: Okay, so the man—he's got exquisite manners, as he says. He has. Next word is integrity. Integrity.
0: Mm, interesting word, what isn't it? it? What, what does is it? it mean? What is it? What is what integrity? integrity? <laughs> he says,
1: typing Oxford into the into his uh, search yes. bar. Um, um, well, it's, it's like something about having firm character, isn't it? It's, well, according yeah. to Oxford, I mean, we could have defined it, listeners, but we would have spent ages going... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of
0: like this, or maybe it's like that sort of... So sentence. it's,
1: you know, the reason I go to the dictionary is just because it's so much quicker. That yeah. These people have done, you know, they've done all the work for us. Yes. We don't need to spend ages... <laughs> Uh, so integrity is a noun. Uh, mm. It's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles.
0: Yes, that's you also, right. You
1: can also have artistic <laughs> integrity as well, which is when you mm. have, you know, strong principles towards your art. And you don't, for example, sell out. You don't sell, you know, your, yeah. your songs. Or to. you don't
0: copy or all that sort right. of thing. Right. So he's, um.
1: integrity. Does the count have integrity, honest moral principles?
0: Does, yes, I does, think he does. He believes in yeah. doing
1: the right thing.
0: I think so. Yes, he does. Um Oh gosh, it's very hard to um say it concisely, isn't it? But yes, he certainly has. Okay. He, he's he doesn't do bad things. He's not nasty to people, even people who are nasty to him, you might say. Right. Treat him badly. He doesn't treat people badly. In return, he's very gentlemanly and polite to them.
1: Uh, the next word I've got is... doesn't it, necessarily
0: yeah. give in to them or, mm. you know, become cowed. He uh, he just keeps his counsel and just carries on.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, next word is loyalty.
0: Um, yes. Um, is there a lot
1: of loyalty in
0: this in this story? Well, I think he, he has loyal friends. Because of his character, he attracts people you know, people want to be loyal to him. People want to look after him. People want to stick with him. Right. They're loyal Um, to him. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think, yeah.
1: Sorry, I'm just flying through these.
0: Yes, that's fine. Uh, The next word
1: is vocabulary. (laughs) Does he have a broad vocab? Uh,
0: Well, yes, I think so, because he's so well read and so cultured. And, you know, he knows a lot about the arts and Mm. Reads a lot of books, so he would have a good vocabulary. It's
1: part of his charm as well that he's able to string yes. a sentence or two together. Exactly. um Class, class. Now, there's two senses yes. of the word here. One is that we talk about the class system, upper class, middle class, and so on. But also, class means sort of like, uh, oh, what would class mean? What's the other meaning then? In well, terms it means,
0: doing... it's similar to integrity. It means yeah. that you're, you're, um, you're honest and straightforward and, um, you don't
1: oh gosh it's also about being sophisticated and about being refined and it's also about uh, doing the you treat
0: people well treating people well is a great sign of class yeah you know that sort of class but he's also of the upper class he's an aristocrat so you know he's got that sort of class about him but he's also not all aristocrats are classy
1: (laughs) yeah this one though is because he treats people with respect
0: he does that's right
1: Do these words (coughs) apply to Count Alexander Rostov? The first word is witty.
0: Yes, very much so. Um, That's what I was talking about, the slightly quirky, unusual, ironic sort of voice that we hear that's his.
1: Yeah. And so witty would be sort of like funny, but able to to be funny on the spot and be very intelligent.
0: and not take things too seriously, not take himself too seriously. Right. That
1: sort of thing. Likeable
0: well of course he's likable for all the things that we've said yeah um because he's you know he has integrity has class he has manners he has sense of humor and so on
1: here's a word which i added but just because i like the adjective because i just feel like it's one that people need to know um so the next word is standoffish
0: yes well he's not standoffish standoffish means you hold yourself aloof consider yourself better than the next man
1: and you don't, woman. You, you don't, uh, you don't really engage in conversation with people. Exactly. You stand back because you think you're yes. better than others, and so- you
0: look down your nose at them. Yeah, That's another expression. Um, and he's not like that at all. He treats people, you know, the same.
1: Yeah, he's quite warm. Um, he is. spoiled.
0: Um, <clears throat> I suppose a lot of aristocrats or wealthy people. You could describe them as spoiled because they're used to living a good life and having nice things around them and they get very upset and hoity-toity yeah.
1: um,
0: when those things are removed or whatever. But he's not spoiled at all. I mean, he is used to having the good life and being surrounded by nice things. But when, they're, when he's deprived of them, he just makes the best of everything. He doesn't then go into a great strop and have a tantrum. Yes. Uh, so he's not spoiled. Privileged. Um, well, yes, obviously he's had a privileged life because he's part of the aristocracy. He's had plenty of money and plenty of good things, but his privilege um, makes him an interesting and cultured person. It doesn't make him, you know, the opposite. It doesn't make him standoffish and hoity-toity. Right, uh,
1: glass half full versus glass. Sorry, glass half full versus glass half empty.
0: Yes. Well, that's all to do with optimism. If you're a glass half empty person, you're very pessimistic and you always think the worst of everything and look on the black side of everything. Whereas if you're a glass half full, it means that you try to be optimistic. You try and look for the best of everything. And he goes through his period of being glass half empty when he decides he's going to kill himself. But Mm. then he is, you know, he is helped by the beekeeper and most of the time, he's glass half full
1: person. The power of honey, just to bring <laughs> you back from the brink. I love honey. Well,
0: you would understand that, wouldn't you? I
1: love I love honey so much. Uh, does so? Here's an interesting question for you to discuss. Uh, does the count change during the book?
0: Ooh. Yeah, I don't think he does. You know, I think he can. He's all the way through. He is his his character, and no matter what situation he's in. It doesn't seem to change him. He seems to have the same viewpoint. I mean, obviously, as I said, he he goes through this low period, mm. but once he's got past that, he seems to remain the same.
1: Do you think all these things that we've been talking about—his charm, his 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 wittiness, his his class, and all that stuff, his his manners—do you think this is what helps him to prevail? Like, if he wasn't like that, do you think that? Um that he wouldn't have made it? Is is that why he survives?
0: Yes, I think so. I mean, and particularly him being cultured and having read lots of books and know a lot about art and know a lot about, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. He, he has he has things that he can draw on. You know, he doesn't have an empty head. Mm. He's got lots of things that he can refer to to make him feel better or to compare himself to so that he, he knows things that people have gone been through in the past, he's a thoughtful person. He mm. has reserves. And I think that's very important. It's why reading is important, I think, because it does help to um, top up your reserves of, I don't know. Uh, em- um, empathy. Empathy, philosophy, sympathy, understanding, mm. all those things.
1: Mm. Um about house arrest we talked earlier about the lockdown Mm. i think we've probably talked about how appropriate it is that you read this during the lockdown or Mm. around the time um so we've talked about lockdown actually but i thought i'd ask you about house arrest so i've got a question for you if you had to be on house arrest let's say you've i don't know you're an aristocrat or something i don't know (laughs) what uh but you, you have to be on house arrest but you can choose any building you like which building would you choose? Okay, so which building would you choose to be locked inside? And you can't choose your own home.
0: Oh, that's what I was going to choose. Oh,
1: really? Well, uh, um...
0: Because I can't imagine wanting to be anywhere else. I mean, it's a very boring answer. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think about it. I well, suppose um, if I can't have my own home, it would have to be some, something like a, an art gallery. Yeah, not a library um, or something. Or a library uh maybe a an art gallery come library <laughs> yeah
1: an art gallery uh, slash a, a library.
0: smallish one like i don't know like the barber institute in birmingham which i always think is a perfect art gallery the barber because it institute has, seems to have an example of all kinds of art in it
1: really
0: yes and it's it's um it's a manageable size okay. yeah it would have to be something like that something with not just books but i think pictures would be very important Okay, there you go. Uh, But just quickly talking about exile, there's a very interesting bit in the book about exile Mm. and how, um, let me see, what did I write down about it? Um, 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 This thing about the Russians particularly would choose internal exile. They wouldn't send... Their people out of the country, exile them away from the country. Mm. They would exile them within the country, so they would send them to Siberia, which was the which is the most difficult part of the country to live in. Um, and hang on, let me just see what it says in the book. Um, it it, it basically it means that you know if you exile someone out of the country, they can meet other people who are of the same mind as them and they could sort of start a, a movement which would then attack the country or the regime from outside. Ah. Whereas if you're still inside the country, you're still subject to the regime. Um, Clever. Just, it says here, but when you exile a man into his own country, there is no beginning anew. You don't begin anew anywhere. Mm. For the exile at home, whether he be sent to Siberia or subject to the Minus six. I'm afraid I don't know what that is. The love for his country will not become vague or shrouded by the mists of time. In fact, because we have evolved as a species to pay the utmost attention to that which is just beyond our reach, these men are likely to dwell on the splendors of Moscow more than any Muscovite who is at liberty to enjoy them. Mm. So he will, if he's in, in exile in, in Siberia, he won't hate his country. Mm. he'll look back to the splendors of his country and love them even more very right. interesting idea
1: yes the idea of like yeah, exile them but exile within the country and then you can still yeah. keep a keep a, a look out keep an eye on them
0: well you, there is that but also it, it will have a different mental effect on the person
1: um you so you know sometimes we do episodes of jill's book club here on the podcast but in the real world you have a book club as well. It's yeah. you and some neighbours, friends, uh, some of the women that you know. And yeah. every, every now and then you get together, you choose a book together, yes. you read it, and then you get together and discuss the book. Mm, mm. And recently, this book was one of your book club books. Who yes. chose it? Did you choose it for the book club?
0: No, it wasn't me. It was one of the people from Chadwick End, one of the original members. Oh yeah, And it was chosen just as lockdown was about to start. So we didn't have a chance to talk about it. Normally we meet about every month to six weeks. Yeah. But of course, because we couldn't meet, um, we weren't able to discuss it. Although we did make a half-hearted attempt at doing it online, you know, by email. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people weren't keen to do that. So um, mm-hmm. we didn't have a meeting until I think it was about three or four weeks ago and we finally managed to get together in somebody's garden Mm. on a really hot day, actually. It was most uncomfortable. Yeah. Anyway, we managed to talk about it. But, of course, because we'd been in lockdown and we hadn't seen each other for months, a lot of the meeting was taken up with us, catching up on on each other's news and finding out how we all were and just generally gossiping. So we didn't discuss the book as much as I would have liked to. But the general view was – I mean, unusually in the book club – there's, all, there's a real mix of opinion. Nobody ever, or hardly ever, do we have a meeting where everybody agrees that the book was great. Mm. But in this case, that was that was what happened. Everybody really enjoyed it, found it very um, engaging and interesting and appropriate for the time. And <clears throat> unfortunately, that's what we mainly said. Yes, it was great. <laughs> yeah. We didn't go into enough detail. I would have liked to have you know, gone in, gone into it a bit more, but people were, weren't in the mood, really. Right. They were much happier just chatting about what, what was happening to them and their family and so on. Right. So unfortunately, it didn't have a very good discussion. But apart from the fact that, you know, we all agreed, we thought it was great, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> which is unusual.
1: So, listeners, there you go. That was A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls, which you can pick up from any half decent bookshop you can also get an an audiobook version of it there you are thanks mum for talking to us about it
0: oh it was nice i enjoyed it i just wish i was more knowledgeable and and i hadn't read it such a long time ago and it was fresher in my mind
1: do you you don't have any other book ideas do you for the next one or or should we wait until you've had a chance to think about it
0: um wait until i've had a chance to think about it. okay
1: all right (laughs) Well, on behalf of all my listeners, thank you very much. It's very nice to to hear from you and to listen to you. And I hope you have a lovely day.
0: Thank you. Same to you.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, bye-bye for now.
0: Bye-bye. Take care.
1: so there you are that was my lovely mum talking about a lovely book and it was all lovely 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 thank you again to mum for being part of this episode again check out the page for this episode on my website for vocab notes and the names of the different books and things we mentioned like there was the year of living dangerously by andy miller uh, this book Uh, plus you can also have the chance to see that painting of ivan the terrible and more stuff um premium update I'm still deep inside premium number 24 having published nine out of 12 parts Uh, there's more coming for premium subscribers very soon as I finish that series later today uh, listeners I because I know obviously I know what you're thinking you're thinking Luke what are you doing later today well it's funny you should ask because later today I'm interviewing my dad for the podcast. Okay, that's something that's happening this afternoon. Now, I don't like to talk on the podcast usually about stuff that I'm going to do, because I've learned that often things don't go as you expect, and it's unwise to make the listeners think that something is coming when it actually can't happen because of a technical issue or a scheduling problem or something like that. I've said in the past, oh, I'm going to do this, you'll get this, this is the next thing, and then something's gone wrong and I haven't been able to do it. So I'm wary of making promises. Um, and you know, who knows, we might not be able to actually do the recording, but the plan is to talk to my dad later today also about a book. But this isn't a book that he's read, written by someone else. It's actually a book that he's written himself. Yep, he wrote a book during the lockdown, and yeah, what's what's with all these books? Everyone's writing books all of a sudden. About five people I know have written books during the lockdown, including my dad. So stay tuned to Luke's English podcast coming soon, in order to hopefully listen to my listen to a conversation with Rick Thompson about his new book. What's it about? You're thinking, what are the wider themes? that are touched upon in the book, what could my dad say about it? Well, listen on, and you should find out uh, when that episode is published in due course. But um, there you go. Thanks again to my mum for her contribution to this episode, this time. I hope that you all enjoyed listening to it. Uh, Did you enjoy listening to it? Did you enjoy listening to my mum talking about this? Are you interested in the book? You think you're going to read it? Some of you will. Some of you won't. Uh, But I hope you enjoyed listening to this. And as ever, I look forward to reading your comments and responses to this episode in the comments section on my website. Just, you know, don't be shy. Give it a try. Let us know what you think. Just head on over to teacherluke.co.uk and then click the old episode archive there in the menu. Just click episodes. That'll take you to a list of every single episode I've ever done. Plus loads of other stuff. There's quite a lot of website only content as well that you can find there. Uh, so find this episode, which is what? Six, seven, nine, is it? Six, seven, nine, Jill's book club, a gentleman in Moscow. And, uh, just head over there. And then, you know, if you've got something to say, just bottom of the page, just write your comment in and that would be lovely. Um, uh yes okay all right then. Uh, but also you can leave comments on YouTube where you can find all my episodes, Luke's English Podcast on YouTube, and you can keep in touch on social media. My favourite being Twitter, and my handle on Twitter is at English Podcast. So follow me on Twitter. Uh, get you know. Get in touch and stuff. But that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, everyone, out there, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do take care. And I'll speak to you again soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.